1: the Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. As Hudson tries to close it out. It'll be another 3-2 pitch to Michael Brantley. Hudson sets the kick and here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat. Thank you for joining us, as always. I am your host, Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at AWhite7877. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, for whom I did not think of a cool adjective this week, so I suck. Sorry about that.
1: I know. What the
2: heck? I know. I had one job. You can follow them on Twitter at DCNatJack, or you can follow the show, or I should say, and you should follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Um, thanks for joining us, and let's get it started. We've got football to watch this afternoon, so we gotta we got to get on this. How you guys doing?
3: <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, Can't complain. It's been a little bit.
2: Yeah, we didn't record last week. We all had a holiday break.
3: Never long enough, but we're back. Better than ever. No. New yeah. year, new me.
2: Although there are actually things to talk about this week. Yeah, new decade-ish.
4: <laughs> no, but I mean, there
2: wouldn't have been much to talk about because they weren't doing anything. But this week, there's news all over the place. So let's get our weekend yes, review. we uh,
4: right. dive on into it. We took a week off, but it'll yeah, didn't take too much time off. Um, so such this. Uh, He he broke his ankle running from a wild boar on his ranch. Everyone thought he fell off a horse, but stepping into a hole and breaking your ankle running from a wild boar is a lot cooler. Trust me on Mm -hmm. this one. Uh, Domingo German gets an 81-game ban for his role in domestic violence. Um, Josh Allison has multiple four-year $100 million offers, but is reportedly waiting for a team to reach $110 million over four years. This may drag out a little bit longer. And now for the moves. The Twins signed Homer Bailey and Rich Hill to help round out the rest of their rotation. The Blue Jays signed Travis Shaw as well as Hunjin Ryu as their big splash. White Sox made their Keiko signing officially official. The Diamondbacks signed Cole Calhoun, who's probably going to tear it up. And the Dry Desert Heat. Indians signed Cesar Hernandez. The Red Sox sign Kevin Poluecki. They are absolutely gunning for it this year. Don't listen to anyone says they're going to start rebuilding. The Mets take a big risk on signing injured reliever Dylan Patanzas, who is expected to be ready by opening day. But since he's for the Mets, he'll probably open, he'll be ready in July and then tear his Achilles again right after that. Some things <laughs> never change for the Mets. We can all guarantee that will happen. And the Mets have been busy lately. They signed Will Harris to a three-year, $24 million deal. Uh, they're going into a season with a reliable arm through free agency. Can't remember the last time that happened. Will Harris is a workhorse. has gotten 60-plus appearances, I think, for the last five years. And he's coming off a year where he was the best reliever in a Juggernaut Astros team that lost in the World Series, in case you guys are wondering. Uh, great signings there. And then the Mets signed. Starling Castro to a two-year, $12 million deal. Castro is actually thrilled to be out of Miami and said he's been wanting to play under Dave Martinez. The two were together in Chicago. Starling Castro routinely plays over 155 games, but the most interesting part of this is he's expected to start second base. The Nats ran off their bench with a one-year, $2.5 million deal to Estrubal Cabrera. The Nats have three more position player spots to fill. You've got to assume Zim is one of them. But the versatility of the guys that the Nats have been signing has opened up a door for them to trade for either an impact first baseman, second baseman, or third baseman. It seems that Donaldson is not going to come to the Nats. So we shall watch and see what trade Rizzo works up. And that is the week of review.
2: Love it. Yeah, it was a busy one for the Nats. I'm uh, very, very curious to see what Rizzo works out for third base because when you look at the reports that were carefully said that Castro was going to be playing second, and mm-hmm. you know they didn't pay him that much, they didn't pay Cabrera much, so I, I feel like there's still room to sign a, a real expensive third baseman. the question is, which one?
3: Yeah, uh, the, obviously the reports that Castro's – going to be the starting second basin had a lot of implications one I mean you can do the math uh, with how much room they have left if they want to stay under the luxury tax which they've said they wanted to do uh, they had about 24 million prior to as Drupal Cabrera um, and I mean all reports are that Donaldson's going to get an AAV of 25 so right there if you sign Donaldson that puts you over so does it take them out? Are they still in? We don't really know. They could structure it uh, a certain way, but who knows? Um, the other thing is if they do go after a Donaldson or even, I know a lot of people are saying Kyle Seeger, that seems like a more realistic trade option than Brian or Arenado. He's getting paid 18 and a half million this year. It's a bad contract, but he's getting paid 18 and a half. So if we trade for him, Seattle would have to eat some money, but let's just say for argument's sake, like we take on that full contract. That doesn't leave us with a lot of room, and I know, I mean, yeah. we still have three three bench spots. I mean, I guess, yeah, you could, but the point I'm getting at is what does that mean for Zim? It, I don't know if he's really in their plans anymore.
2: Yeah, it is a really good well, question. So I,
4: I think of them, like, I, I, like, a part of me thinks he's going to retire, but I think the Nats are just waiting for him to be their final move. Because they're clearly waiting, like, they're leaving room for, like, one more big move. Whether that's a third or first, we don't really know. Um, we're going to have to wait and see on that. But it's clear the Nats are going to go over the luxury tax. Like, they're going to have to, like, look at yeah. the options available they're going to have to go over. So I think they're kind of just waiting to see with them because maybe they'll be like, no, here's $700,000. Come play first base. Or maybe they get, they don't want to go over and they find, so they trade for Seeger, which is probably most realistic. And then Thames, like, I don't really know, but I don't see a realistic, oh, not like anything happen, but I think he's going to be coming back. They're probably just going to give him, like, the cheapest contract they possibly can, and that's why they just haven't signed him yet. Right, yeah, which that's, that's
3: he would – I mean, we all know he would take it, too, whatever yeah. the money is. He doesn't care about the
1: right. money.
2: Exactly. He just wants to play. But I think they've probably told him, like, we're going to do everything we need to do, and then we'll come to you when we know what everything else looks like and see what we have left. And yeah. I I get the impression he's probably fine with that. And the other point that was made a lot on Twitter right after the Sterling Castro move is that what does this mean for Kibu? <clears throat> And if, if right. Rizzo might not be preparing for a trade for a third baseman, whether it's Bigger or you know something more splashy like Brian, or who the hell knows, but that whether t boom just got put in a position to be a trade piece by the by the caster signing, which
4: this is so realistic. interesting, and like it really is. I want because like you don't block someone who you like. All right, so this guy is going to be a good. No you know, future for us, holding down second base, him and Trey are going to hold down for the next three, four years. You don't sign someone to a two-year contract to block him, yeah. and then you're like, okay, maybe he'll go to a utility role. will you just find a utility guy. So it's either, is he going to be going to AAA because they don't think he's ready, or did you just secure yourself because now you have a great trade piece to go get some big guy out there? Because Robles isn't getting trade for Bryant. Um, but the other thing is that Bryant... I can't remember what size he's on, but if Brian grievance goes to only has one year left, the Cubs aren't going to get Keeboom for him. So if that happens, Matt can find a trade to get Chris Bryant, keep Robles, and Keeboom. But I think it's really interesting to watch what happens with Keeboom. Because suddenly his yeah. path in majors is not clear.
0: I also really
3: saw – I think, I think it was a Rosenthal thing uh, – it, or I don't know. It was some sort of tweet. I'm not going to say who because I obviously don't have it in front of me. But it seems like uh, Brian's going to lose his grievance. That's what the report yeah, is. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, nothing's definitive yet. Something could change, but it all signs are pointing to Bryant losing his grievance, which means he would have two years.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. For two years, you know, the trade package is a completely different thing than a one year if you have got one year of him left. And I feel like one of the reasons that the third base market is so stagnant is because we don't know where Donaldson's going to wind up and we don't know whether Bryant's got one year or two years. So I don't know how any team can make any kind of a decision about either of those guys, you know, about anything until they know where the two best available pieces are going to be.
4: Yeah, because once Donaldson signs, we're not going to see quick movement on the third base market because then teams are going to wait and see what happens with Bryant. So once that's settled, then the trade market will move, whether that's teams trying to get Seager or other options. All the teams that need a third baseman are going to sit and wait for that, and that's probably going to take the rest of the month because they don't have a timetable, and they have hundreds upon hundreds of pages to go through and make sure they make the right decision. Right.
2: Yeah, I don't think like, that one's going to to a quick conclusion.
3: <laughs> right, because as we saw in the uh, – in the offseason early on uh, when everyone was still available. Normally the top dominoes fall and then, or top guys fall and then all the dominoes fall after that. But it was kind of different this year because we saw the Reds sign Mike Moustakis right away. Granted, he's playing second base for them, but he was still a third base option and he got signed before Rendon or Donaldson did. Um, But then you look at the trade market, and I guess you can still include Donaldson in that because he's still a piece that uh, will be filling a a necessary hole for one of these teams. Um, You're not going to see much movement after that. Like Even with Kyle Seager, who isn't on the same tier as any of these guys, but a team like the Nats might pivot to Kyle Seager if if the price for Bryant is too high and they're out on Donaldson. It just... It's going to be a while, but Donaldson would be the first piece to
0: fall.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty accurate. So let's talk a little bit uh, specifically about the Nats and the moves they made recently. So the biggie, of course, is Will Harris, which uh super excited to see that. I mean, I, I know we all have fond memories of the last time we saw Will Harris.
3: Yeah. I mean, wait, when was the last time we okay. saw him?
4: Wait, what happened? Was he he important with anything with the Mavs? I I can't remember.
2: He helped us win the World Series. And actually, though, as many people have pointed out on Twitter, it was not a bad pitch.
3: No, not at all. It was a gorgeous pitch. (laughs)
2: It was a great pitch. The, the punch. The batter wins. What happened on that case.
3: So. And what gets lost is that the pitch before that, he made Howie look so stupid. It was like a big looping curveball on Howie swung out of his shoes. People forget that. Like, he yeah. easily could have had that. But uh, and I, suppose I, I we think it's a great signing.
2: For people who don't follow it quite as closely as we do, that Will Harris. For those of you who don't already know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. But Will Harris was the guy who gave up the homer from Howie, the one that dinged off the foul boats to win the World Series. So,
4: oh, and, I'm sure and uh, in case he's going to give a lot um, of that. The Nats are uh, World Series champs. They're the defending champs. I don't know if people know that, but um, yeah, the Breach Nats. So back in October.
2: Yeah, back in October <laughs> that my case any of you didn't know. In <laughs> case any of you didn't know. <laughs>
4: No, I mean, anyway, yeah. I,
2: I love this guy. Like he, I do too.
4: Yeah, he's great. Like he's a great reliever. If you look at his track record, um, since 2014, he's only has one year with the ERA above three. And I mean, ERA is the most important stat with relievers. That year, his WHIP was still barely over one. So like he doesn't walk a lot of guys. And you know, the Nats needed a lefty in the bullpen. But the good news is, Will Harris has reverse splits. Opiate. Sorry, the well, had an OPS barely above 400 against them. So you're probably like, oh, great, he can't get righties out. Righties have an OPS below 700 against them. So, like, people don't hit him hard. So that's the thing. Like, he's just a great shutdown reliever. He can go in the seventh inning. He can go multiple innings. He can go every single day. So this is a great, great signing. What's surprising to me is the Nats kind of have a reluctance of giving, like, long contracts to relievers is that they gave one to a guy who turns 36 this year and yeah. is all of his workload gonna catch up some? We don't know. But the first two years of his contract are probably gonna be amazing and that's all that matters.
3: Yep. Yeah. Just like we said with Donaldson, as long as the front half or front part of that contract is like good ROI, return on investment. Like it doesn't matter what those last couple of years are uh, looking like. So hopefully it turns out well. Um, It was interesting because I I remember when the news broke, we were texting in a group chat. This is only like the fourth time in what a decade that Rizzo has been the GM that he's given a multi-year deal to a a reliever, which is just crazy to me.
2: That is crazy. Considering bullpen
3: has been a need since like 2010.
2: Yeah, and a three-year deal is just really out of character for him, but and especially to a guy of that age. But I'm really happy he did it. Like you said, whether that last year or not is an albatross, I don't care. The bullpen has been held together with rubber bands and Band-Aids for years and years, and I'm just happy to see them actually putting some investment into it and treating it with the importance that it deserves.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If you had told me last year with that bullpen early in the season that they were going to win the World Series, I'd have told you you were crazy. And I'd rather not uh, go that route this year. I'd rather just have a bullpen that's good all year. If you could arrange for that. That would be fantastic.
3: I still think we're putting a little too much reliance on uh, Strickland and Elias. I mean, that's just my uh, not just take on that. Then just Yeah. too. Right, yeah, what that's
4: I'm fair. The bullpen's also... Well... I get that one. Sorry, I get that one second. But like, the Nationals' bullpen is going to rely on how much Swearo and Rainey have developed. If they have a lot, they're going to be fine. If they haven't, there's going to be some issue. But Hudson is the guy who, like, for the money he wanted, there's yeah. way too much risk there. He wanted multiple years. He wanted over eight million a year. Like, he, he's had I think two Tommy John surgeries, and he also had a lot of youth last year. There is just a lot of just question marks there in risk that especially with the way relievers fluctuate from year to year i think he's the perfect guy of an example of relievers can be great one year and bad the next year like he did a lot for his team he'll always be attached to his franchise history but there's just way too much there to worry about So the notch like you know what we're just going to go a safe route and go get will harris
3: yeah, yeah. exactly i, I mean Sorry, I was just gonna say, I mean, that's a great point because look at the like top tier closers that have been available in recent years. Like, Wade Davis is one that comes to mind, he was arguably the best closer two years ago, signs with Colorado and like loses his job because he, he's that bad. And then Mark Blanton's another he's one that comes day. to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenley, Ken, I mean, even Kenley Jansen, like, he's still good, but he was he's last year, he wasn't that top dominant closer that he was. It's just it, relievers are very volatile and with Daniel Hudson yeah he's younger than Will Harris but Will Harris has the track record he doesn't have the injury history that Hudson does and as much as we like love to romanticize Hudson he was not on a team to start 2019 Like he was that had that many question marks around him, and he had a great twenty nineteen. All said and done, like that's great. But when we're talking about investing multiple years in a good chunk of our bullpen funds to him, it's just a huge risk. And I'll always love Hudson, but Harris was the way to go if it's one or one or the other.
2: Yeah, if it had to be one or the other, there's I don't know anybody who could possibly argue for Hudson instead of Harris. But I think Hudson's asking for way too much, and I don't think anybody's going to give it to him. So my hope is I'd still love to see him back. I think he'd be a nice piece in the bullpen and kind of that fireman role, and I'd like to have him. But if, you know, if we get up on the season, we get spring training, and he hasn't signed anywhere, I would love to see the Nats take a run at him for maybe a one-year deal or something more reasonable. I wouldn't even hate a two-year deal if they could get it at a good AAV. I don't
4: think that's going to happen just cuz after Harris signed it was like doherty divas um Zach, and then Britney I can't pronounce her last name all them old them years like, the nats are, yeah the nats are not going to be re-signing Hudson um which is like fine like I again with the money side of it it's not going to happen maybe like you said if his price drops they can revisit it but I think the final straw where they were like, well, he may actually start with grass next year, was Hudson got hit very, very hard in the playoffs. And he got hit hard in just about every single outing. And, I mean, he, either it was just him being good or lucky, he got away with it. In the playoffs, it's better to be lucky than good. So I think that kind of was like, mm, we're going to shift gears and go sign Harris." and why they didn't go and just give that money to Hudson as well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're right. I would like to see another arm, though. I would like, if it's not Hudson, I think they need to go get somebody.
3: For sure. It was them thinking with their head and not their heart. Um, I spin zone, like, I am perfectly fine not bringing back Hudson just because now it's like a fact that the last memory we'll have of him is him yeeting his glove into uh, Minute Maid yeah. Park while the Nats the are winning day. the World Series. So
2: I do love that mental image. It makes me smile.
3: Yeah, we won't have any negative images of him. That's going to be ingrained in our brains forever, and and I'm happy with that.
2: All right, well, if that is the way it ends, it certainly could have been worse. <laughs> All right, let's Absolutely. talk Castro. We touched on it a little bit. So it was a two-year, $12 million, which is quite reasonable. Um, And then a lot of people immediately reported this does not mean they're out on Donaldson. And then, you know, a lot of people were speculating that that money is too much for them to be in on Donaldson. But I think Donaldson's not coming anyway, but I don't know that it has anything to do with Castro.
4: No, I don't think so either. Um, The most surprising thing here is that Castro is only 29 years old. Um, Seems like he's been been around forever. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I mean this is a, it's a good move. The guy just he plays every single day. He's gonna be you know pretty average. Like if you look at all of his numbers. Like his OPS last year was seven thirty six. League average is seven fifteen. But day in and day out, you're just gonna get a great contact hitter who can play multiple positions, and he's gonna give you average to above average defense while getting on about thirty to thirty two percent of the time, perfectly perfectly okay take that 10 out 10 times at six or seven spot in your order where he's going to be i think that's great i love this signing and i'm pretty excited that they uh got the deal done
3: i'm just gonna take this opportunity um hey siri can you play my depressed music please I just want to say that <laughs> Scooter <for the> Jeanette. <laughs> Scooter Jeanette to D.C. was the dream, and that dream has been crushed by Starling Castro, and it's a great signing, but I will miss Scooter as short-lived as it was. I I still think he would be a great addition, and I would take him any day of the year. So R.I.P. Scooter to D.C.
2: All right. Wow, that was cringy. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, I know the scooter Jeanette dream is dead, but Castro is an awfully good, an awfully good signing. I was uh, super happy to see that one, and that brings us to the most recent one, which just happened today, which is as Dribble Cabrera is coming back. Um, one year, two and a half million. To me, this is. I'm perfectly fine with this as long as he's not our starting third baseman. He's a utility you know, <laughs> guy. If he's starting at third when, base on opening day, he's going to be pissed.
4: Oh, my God. When they signed him, my heart dropped. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be the starting third baseman. But then I saw it for <laughs> $2.5 million. I was like, oh, thank God he got bench money.
2: <laughs> he got um, bench money.
4: Off the bench, utility role, great. Again, he can play a lot of the positions. It's a low risk, high reward, no-brainer deal, especially if he's $2.5 Again, I like the move. Yeah, Mr. Rizzo's been last year. Yeah, he was closer
2: yeah. than that. He was really
4: crazy. Was. Once he
2: came in, he was. He was a good piece. I'm happy to have him back. Except like, I don't was want good. him as start the starting baseman, but he's always he's oh, no. to
4: have. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that's a good point I forgot to say about Castro. I love the Castro move if he's a starting second baseman. If he's a starting third baseman, I'm going to be a little upset because they missed out on the big people. That's the same thing with uh, Kibbear.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, with Cabrera, he was good. I think he played for the Rangers before the Nats. He was good with the Rangers or the, uh, the Mets. Yeah, I don't when you
4: he thought. Was mad for
3: silly. Yeah, he he bounced all around, but I mean, he had a solid year. I don't know why he got moved around, but uh, it was reported earlier in the offseason. It was like the projected numbers that he was going to get like six million AAV. Um. So, great job by the Nats getting him uh, back for a 2.5. Just solid bench yeah. money, and he can be uh, very uh, versatile defensively. So, yeah, I love the move. Yeah,
4: it's, yeah. it's a hell of a good
3: Like, you know you can trust him. And I saw uh, Jesse Dock I think it was Jesse Docherty, uh say that uh, Cabrera – and even Castro, to an extent, they both provide uh, like backup capability, capabilities at shortstop as well. Because most of the season last mm-hmm. year, they didn't—they went without a backup shortstop, and now they don't have to worry about that uh, anymore. Because Cabrera and Castro are more than capable of filling in uh, if Trey should ever need rest or goes down or anything like that.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point. I think uh, the versatility of those guys, those kinds of super utility players. Just really opens up a lot of options for you, where you know you can look at other position players that maybe don't have as much versatility, because you know you have that kind of on your bench that if you have a guy go down or a guy needs a day off or, you know, whatever's going on, weird stuff always happens in any baseball season that you can just know that you've got depth that I don't think they had that um, that kind of luxury last year. So
3: no, not I, at all.
2: Pleased with, pleased with these moves so far. I would love to see a, a big third baseman move. And another arm in the bullpen. <laughs> those, are my, yeah. those are my two big ones.
4: Get one, Soto, protection.
3: <laughs> this yeah, one I, exactly. I know it was a Jesse Dockery tweet, but the three guys we've signed for the infield, Castro, Cabrera, and Howie, all can play three different infield positions, not maybe not exceptionally well defensively, but they can play three different positions um, each. So knowing Davy as our manager, he's going to have a blast creating like 5 million different lineups with uh, that.
2: It'll be a different lineup every single day. Davy's going to be in, in hog heaven. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Um, Let's move on from the recent findings and talk a little bit about. I'm sure most of you, at least if you're on Twitter, have probably seen the Trevor Bauer comments. It was Casey Stern, I think, of the MLB Network. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to play them for you real quick so that you know what we're talking about, and then we'll have a when we'll discuss them.
4: Pitching related, not wherever you want to go. If there's one thing that you could change about the game
0: right now, it would be what? The announcers. Oh, now you're talking about the announcers of the games, of course, not great talk show radio. Hosts. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Yeah. No, I just I think the announcers are are um they, they have such an influence over how people perceive the product on the field. Yeah. And if you can align that interest with you know making the game seem exciting and new and young and fresh and and great, then you, you can influence the larger uh, population of baseball fans. But uh, a lot of what you hear for 162 games a year is oh, you got to get the bunt down and back in my day it was this and you know the shift has ruined baseball and oh, he strikes out too much and it has this very negative like boring dull tone to it and it just doesn't do anything for trying to attract the missing generation of baseball fans I mean we don't have any young baseball fans relative to what the, what used to be out there and I think you know, if, if prices in the stadium are going to be, well, that's another one I would change. You know, the oh, prices in the stadium, right. There, uh, yes, make it more attractive game, for people please. for, yeah. For people just out the, the whole package to come yes. to a game. Yeah, But like, if you're going to have, if you're going to have people that are staying home to watch baseball and they turn it on and all they hear is how bad baseball is. Why, why you, you're going to go watch, you know, WWE, or you're going to go watch NBA or you're going to go watch something else with your time. There's so many options for content now that like, you really have to compete for the person's interest. That's right. And I just, uh, I don't think that, you know, in typical baseball fashion, it moves very slowly as an industry. And I don't think that that area where, you know, we're doing a very good job of competing for the interest of the people that we're trying to target.
2: Okay. So what was your immediate reaction to those guys?
3: I loved this. And I mean, we all, Uh, again like you said if you're on Twitter I'm sure you're familiar with Trevor Bauer in some capacity he is quite polarizing he's honestly probably the most polarizing player in baseball and that includes people like Bryce Harper and Javi Baez and and Juan Soto and stuff like that Um, but this one I actually fully agree with Trevor Bauer how many times have we had problems with baseball announcers like we are Nats fans and I feel like there's always problems with Bob and FP. Like, they mm-hmm. don't really uh, include a an excitement to the game. It, it's almost like Amanda, your favorite thing is like watching golf. Like they're they're just very bland, monotone, mediocre. They talk about how, uh, like, oh, back in my day, they're doing this right. They need to do this, and like for the people that love baseball, that's that's fine. But we're not. Baseball's not trying to attract the people that already love baseball. They're trying to attract new fans. So if you're watching a game, which if you're not a baseball fan, obviously you're probably not going to go to the game. So you're, if you're exposed to baseball in any capacity, you're going to watch it. If you're watching a game and you have Bob and FP or, God forbid, the Braves announcers on your TV, like how is that going to get you excited about baseball? Um, so I, I think he was right spot on. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that that was Thank the you. first thing he came up with.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's, look at the national broadcast, like the world series, also game, whatever it, all John Smoltz does is complain about how baseball is played nowadays and how they don't play it the right yep. way. Back in my day, they did I, like I, players I, are doing too much. It's like the world series is when, All the average fans start paying attention because it's the championship. That's when more people are excited for it. And all they hear is just some old white guy complaining nonstop about how the game sucks. Everyone's doing this too much. They care too much about launch angle. Stop showing emotion and everything. That's not how you broadcast the game, especially when, like, look at Madison. Madison's graphic package hasn't been updated since 2005. Like, it looks (laughs) like it's on clip art. It's so old and dusty. I hate it and like the broadcasts are just like that they're stale like they're not exciting they're kind of stale is a good TV. word yeah yeah well, and like look at and look at look at football like you don't realize when you're at home but there's a lot of downtime in football when nothing's really happening and if you do like how much action happens in the sports more action happens in baseball per game than football but footballs are about 20 minutes longer it doesn't feel like that because their broadcasts are great. Their graphic yep. packages are always brand new. They're showing replays. Their announcers are getting excited about what's happening. They're breaking stuff down. They're like giving fans an angle that they might not understand. Like look at Tony Romo, the way he breaks down plays. people yeah. love that. Like, and he also has yeah, so much excitement Tony in
2: Yeah, I hate the Cowboys, but Tony Romo is great.
4: Yeah, he's phenomenal.
2: Uh, I didn't know he yeah. would be such it's a just- broadcast, but he's great.
0: It's yeah. that no, I couldn't exciting. agree with you more.
2: Look at all of us agreeing on something. It's I know. a Christmas miracle.
3: <laughs> and now that, oh, I mean, the Trevor Bauer comments got me thinking. And like during the time, I didn't love it. But now looking back on it, I can see how it might have been a good thing. It was, I think it was just the Dodgers series in the playoffs. It might have been more. Uh, It might have been the NLCS as well. Um, But they had TBS broadcast the games, and Ernie Johnson was the main guy. And you'll know Ernie Johnson mainly from his uh, NBA countdown and, and stuff like that. He is like virally loved, and he didn't do like the best job with baseball, but. Him, or like a well-known announcer like that broadcasting baseball, it is is one way to get in more fans because maybe yeah. you're a primary NBA fan, you love Ernie Johnson, you see he's doing MLB, you happen to switch on the TV and... Ernie Johnson's doing MLB game. Maybe you listen because you like Ernie Johnson. Like that's one way to kind of spice things up and not be so stale. I'm not saying Ernie Johnson's like the answer or anything like that. That's just an example of one thing that yeah, they, but they that did. Yeah,
2: mixing it up. It's so stale is the perfect word. It's just very. And you know, you know, I'm the luddite amongst us, right? I'm the one who's very old school baseball purist. Right, all you're that. very
3: luddite. right
2: whatever that
1: is (laughs) look
2: it up look it (laughs) up google is your friend anyway i um i just feel the same way i think that it's very boring that the broadcast like and now we're approaching the 12 hole i mean it's just very if you love baseball already you're gonna watch it and you're used to the kind of you know the the soothing sounds of baseball announcers but there's nothing exciting about it there's nothing that kind of gets your gets your blood going. You, you'll get a little bit of a voice raise when something exciting happens. But even then sometimes, there were a couple yeah. of times in the playoffs where I was watching games, and the announcers who aren't the regular announcers for the teams or, you know, the national announcers, well, that's they're able to foster any excitement even when, like, somebody hits a home run or somebody, you know, hits a two-run double or something in the frickin' mm. championship series. And you're just like, are you serious? It's so boring. I understand people who say that baseball's boring if you don't already love it.
3: Joe Buck absolutely
4: Logan. butchered Howie's yes, home run the in the World Series.
2: Yeah, that was the well, one Joe, that
4: I was thinking. Joe Buck, his thing is that he feeds off the crowds. Like, his road calls are so bad. And he just, like, sits there and gets quiet because he, likes let the crowd take over. But in the road game, it's just awkward. But there's <laughs> a really big cultural problem in baseball amongst the broadcasters and the writers, Like, Ken Rosenbaum and John Heyman MLB Network said they hate Twitter and they don't like that that's how news breaks now because they rather write and news break that way. Like, it's 2020. Like, that's not how things are anymore. And a lot of that is the same way with our announcers and broadcasters. They aren't, like, they don't have ability to change and adapt to the time and they think, oh, it should be like how it was in the 1970s and 80s, which is hurting the game. Like, everything needs to be the same way. And, it's like, the two biggest reporters for the sport don't like Twitter, which is the largest, like, media platform there is, especially for news. That's how you broadcast your game. And it's the same thing with their news. Like, there's just such a cultural problem, and they need to get with the times. Or people are saying, like, stop watching baseball because they're like, mm, I'm just going to use it to take a nap, too.
3: Yeah, Yeah. and that was one of the the parts of the Bauer comments that I love the most is that he, I mean, he's a player. He's a damn good player, too. And he said that baseball is always the slowest, always behind. Uh, It's slow moving, slow changing, and all this stuff. And at some point, they need to get it right and catch up with everyone else because they're making money and, and, uh, like, still succeeding, but not necessarily, like, on their own accord it's just like the fans are keeping the game alive they're not helping themselves out much really at all so if they can get with the times and, and get with social media let people use clips and, and whatnot like how awesome is it like you see a good play on on like uh sunday watching football and then you go to twitter and that plays right there and you can just rewatch it a million times baseball doesn't let you do that and it's just it makes no sense yeah, so exactly. baseball just, need, just needs to get with the times and it, like a already $14 billion industry or whatever it was is going to like double because it's just they're so far behind yet they're still succeeding. But it's almost like because they're succeeding, they're like reluctant to change. It's like
4: a catch-22. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I that's, agree that's the same you. thing with the NBA. The yeah, NBA exactly. Signed con- they've signed content deals with Bleacher Report and a bunch of other big accounts that allows them to keep posting their content so that way everyone on social media can see it. And that's why NBA Twitter is a bunch of, like, 12- and 14-year-olds because they've brilliantly done this to the accounts that those kids pay attention to, letting them post as much stuff as they want of their content to attract younger fans. Like, they're yeah, is is brilliant. And baseball will never do that. And baseball and has twice as...
2: Sorry so, about uh. Please make in-market games available for streaming for the yes, love of God.
3: That's another thing. And, <laughs> yeah, that's a huge point. That's like deserves its own time. But like, baseball has twice as many games as any the next closest sport. So like, how often is even any of us are we going to sit down and watch every single game start to finish? Like, why not just make the highlights available on Twitter and then we can, or like a good play on Twitter and then that'll like reinvest us into getting back to watching the game. It'll, it'll make us feel like we missed out on something. If nothing's available on Twitter and we're not watching, we're not feeling like we're missing out on anything. Like, you got yeah. to like make fe- people feel like there's something worth watching. And that's how you draw people in. It makes no sense.
2: Well, if only they would put us in charge.
3: I know, right? Right. Put us on a broadcast. <laughs> I'm here for it.
2: <laughs> All right, time for everybody's favorite segment of the week: Twitter questions. We have a whole lot of
3: questions.
2: Questions. questions. Uh, let's start with at one pursuit take says trade package for Bryant. What do y'all think is realistic?
3: Uh, not Robles. I mean, if we're talking realistic, it, we're never going to trade Robles for Bryant. It's just not going to happen. If there's two years at Bryant, it'll be headlined by Keyboom. Um, probably Keyboom and Rutledge and someone else. Maybe. Yeah. It, yeah. If, um, if it's one year, I could see something like Joe Ross um, and Crow, Rutledge, Crate, something like that. Not necessarily all four, but those combinations. If it's one year Bryant, I don't think we give up Keyboom. Um oh, okay, I mean yeah. we're talking talking control, but two years I think a, a package would be headlined by Keyboom.
4: Yeah, if it's two years I give up Keyboom and like one of the pitching prospects. I can't remember the name, it's like World Crow and tenth grade. Give mm-hmm. up one of them and a couple others and get it done because two years of Bryant makes the Nats division favorites and also a legit World Series contender. Yeah. Because the roster right now is not a legit World Series or Division contender. Don't care what people say. Yeah, I,
2: I would love to get him for two years because, especially, I think that we've got probably two good years of Max left, and yes. I would love for them to go all in and try to make this lineup something that could really contend for another World Series before Max starts the inevitable decline. All right, right. next one. Yeah. Our pal at one lovely lady C says, "How do you all think the off season has gone?"
3: Uh, I mean so, it's good not great
2: they get Chris Bryan I'm ready to call it great
3: yes yeah oh, that is fair
4: as of right yeah. now I'm saying it's a very average very average offseason I saw someone on Twitter this is a great point the match plan B is doing the Dodgers positional flexibility thing with their players but all these players are so average. Like, none of them are true impact players. And if they're going out or a lineup with just these guys and as their, their baseman, they failed. If they get out, yeah. Don, if they get Donaldson, Brian, or someone, this is a great off season. But the Nats have a very, very real chance where the youngest person, and they're starting, sorry, real, real chance of them starting a 36-year-old, a 35-year-old, 36, 30, 34, 31 in position players, and then also a 36, 35-year-old in your starting rotation, two other starters over the age of 30, and then Doolittle and Harris, who are again 33 and 35. So as yep. of right now, it's a very, very average offseason. Yeah.
2: Hmm. I would call it better than average. I wouldn't go with great. If they need an impact bat one way, however they make that happen, right. they got to get an impact bat.
3: And, and also, that's what
2: I was. all this ageism Then I'm here. <laughs> I just
3: want to say that. <laughs> that's that's the point i was going to say like it if you had all of this plus bryant like we just said it'd be great but it, with all of this without like one big show pony uh to like add to the lineup it, it's not it's not i won't say all for nothing but it's just not as not as like shiny you know i mean we won the world series it was a team effort but certainly Soto and Rendon were the key parts of that like without Rendon we ne- we don't get past the Dodgers so like no. you you subtract Rendon and don't really replace him in any regard and like Castro's certainly not a replacement for Rendon so like you just you're losing production production that if you didn't have last year, you never would have gotten as far as you did. So they have
2: to find that, a way to replace why. the production, however they do it. Whether it's third base or not, they've got to find a way to replace those RBIs and, and the, the production you got out of Rendon. So I would right. say that my how is the offseason, TBD. It depends on what happens from here. But so far, yeah. I'm happy with the moves they they've made, but they need to make more moves to make it a successful
3: Certainly, we're looking at it better this week than we would have last week if we recorded.
2: Yes. That's true. That's true. Okay. We get, Monty sent us, at M. Davis Taylor. We get three questions. (laughs) Uh, How much did my blog impact Rizzo's decision to get going? I mean, obviously, it was. It was
3: was the driving force. Yeah, driving force, clearly.
2: Without it, nothing would have happened this week, I'm prepared to say.
3: Exactly. Just like Uh, without the podcast, they don't win the World Series.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, The next one, will the podcast be going on a road trip to spring training? I'm in.
4: Uh, uh, we're going to Vegas. and It's not baseball related. We're just never going to come back from Vegas.
3: Yeah, once Chili sponsors us, yeah, we're going everywhere, taking the show on the road. Taking the show on the road. Yeah, I
2: love it. Well, I'd go to spring training. I actually haven't been to spring training, and I've always wanted to go. So I um, would. Yeah,
3: I've never been. Me either.
2: Okay, next one is, are Ryan and Nick, in reality, the same person, edited to sound like two so they can get more airtime on the podcast?
4: Um, next wow. question real. next Thailand question
2: That's everything that I think you guys <laughs> need to know I think we answered our own question
3: <laughs> I don't All right. recall
2: At Italia Gypsy says beginner's guide to Winterfest
3: I think we've answered a question like this before yeah
2: I think we yeah. have like, just I, just
3: the consensus was don't go to wait in line
2: <laughs> it's a lot of waiting in line it's a lot of kind of mediocre things there's cool stuff don't get me wrong especially if you have kids it's really fun them but it you know this year it's probably worth going because you'll see the trophy but and any other year when we didn't win the world series i probably wouldn't bother going
4: don't but you have to if you're really going to go take a picture with it though
2: yeah, yeah it's
4: free people. but now they're charging people no, like
2: what a what a, a what a move i don't even know what a bad word move that i won't say because this is a family podcast
3: yeah, yeah.
2: All right. Uh, the Nats Fanatic says, when are people going to learn to not let you troll them? I imagine this is aimed at
4: Ryan. <laughs> um, never, because nothing hurts <laughs> boomers' fa- feelings more than the truth. And, like, these Facebook Nats fans are actual absolute cult. And if you don't blindly obsess over this team and shove your head up this team's ass, they all lose their mind and think you're not a fan. And I do not care. I will do this every single day. I thought I lost my touch because I didn't piss people off in a long time. But then a non non-contro- a non-controversial tweet really got the Facebook boomers working. So yeah, please yes. continue adding it me. Please me. It wasn't even no. a troll job. It
3: wasn't even a troll job, and they they got so upset over it. But the oh, thing man. is,
4: I'm right. <laughs> like, well, I, I agree. agree. Right. it's yeah.
2: very entertaining.
4: Yeah. Oh my god. I even tried like, they know? to. Ex-
2: I tried to actually uh, communicate with one of the people who was so mad at you and make a joke, but I made the mistake of thinking maybe that he had a sense of humor, which was clearly not the case. So.
4: Oh, yeah. No, he, um, he blocked me a while back but then continues to keep monitoring my Twitter account because I live in these boomers' heads, and he <laughs> would tweet me while he still blocked me because he's a real man because that's what men, men do, and I don't care if, like, I love this stuff so they're listening to it, please keep tweeting me. <laughs> all right it's this is you like it, it gives me life <laughs> all
2: right at brazil national says where is my third baseman in all caps
3: uh right now he's in <laughs> chicago uh or he could be in denver it just it depends yeah. I, don't, I don't know what his schedule is like
2: atlanta not here is the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> please please god let it be not someone who's already here all right and our last one for today is at heel Nat at heel nat fan. Why isn't Ryan Zimmerman a realistic third base option? Speaking of troll jobs.
3: I think he's on to something. <laughs> I think he's really on to it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. I would just—I would actually love for them to announce that that was going to happen just so that we could record a pod and you two could have complete and total meltdown.
3: As opposed to what?
2: <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> all right. That is all of our Twitter questions. You guys got anything else before we go?
3: Um nope. Go Texans. As go. as Lizzo
4: said, truth hurts. Bomb 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 boom. Well uh,
2: that uh, hopefully we'll have a third baseman signing to talk yeah, about. Yeah,
4: yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Thank you guys as always for listening. We always appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and please do leave us reviews. We love it when you do. And uh, we will talk again next week.
1: Later.
0: There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator Who has the cause has passed the wall to see you By the early light of dawn well you can see they're running scared cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are in bursting in the air tell the library of congress that they might not want to look cause we're putting curly w's and f's